Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. Grab your chair and pull up your seat at the cool kids table. We are doing so many fun things. I am having such a great time as this little community grows. Thank you to everybody who's reaching out to find out more about the Cool Things Project, which is the group coaching program that we're going to start. It's a small but mighty group, and we're going to kick it off in January. So if you're interested in finding out more about what it's going to be, what we're going to charge, go ahead and send me an email at tom, T-H-O-M, at tomsinger.com, and I will follow up with you with more information because uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, and it's really designed for people who are solopreneurs or maybe want to be who are kind of looking for a little support group because the one thing I've found after now almost seven years of working for myself, there's not a lot of people out there who you can talk to about your hopes and your dreams and your mistakes and and what you're out there doing trying to grow a solo business because it's a lot of work and this is not for people who want to be an internet marketer. There's so many gurus and helpers and, and, and experts out there who are telling people how to create courses and how to charge for your podcast. This is not that. This is for somebody who wants, you know, to be a consultant, to be a speaker, who wants to take their skills and and sell them to the world. So if that sounds like you, give me a call and we will figure out if it is a good match for you. So today, we're going to have a great talk. Do you ever meet somebody in your life where they walk up and you talk to them and as soon as they walk away, you say, that person is a force of nature? Well, that's what happened with today's guest. About a year and a half ago, I was in San Diego for the National Speakers Association meeting, and it was early. It was the day it started, but things kicked off like around 5 o'clock. So about 3.30, I was actually sitting in the bar with my daughters. Yes, I'm that parent. My 17-year-old and my 12-year-old were with me in the bar of the hotel, and no, they weren't doing shots. They were having a soft drink. But we were sitting there, and some friends were arriving. It was about the time everybody was checking into the hotel, and one by one, people started to walk by the bar, and they'd come in, they'd say hello, and they'd sit down. And all of a sudden, this very attractive, very nice, very sure-of-herself woman walks up and goes, hello, I don't know anybody, but a lot of people seem to be talking to you. Can I sit here and just pulls up a chair and sits with my daughters and I? And we talked for about an hour. The group grew to about, I don't know, 12 or 15 people. And after she walked away, somebody said, Tom, who is your friend? She's one of the most dynamic people. And I said, I had never met her before. But her name is Sean Lee, and she is our guest today on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Sean Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What a great intro. I had no idea anyone said that after I left. So no, you you were, with me. you were a force of nature. And the other thing, you'll notice that I introduced her as Sean Lee. She's like Cher or Madonna or Charo. She is a one woman name. She's a brand. She's Sean Lee. I am Sean Lee. And I, I'm excited to be here because I've been following your podcast since you started it. And I thought, I want to be on that show. There's a lot of cool people. So I'm excited to be part of the Cool Kids Club. Well, I am so glad to have you here. So Sean Lee, I didn't really give you much of an introduction. One, one thing I know is that you were a woman in the construction business and you took a company from sort of an idea to the Inc. 500, and Forbes featured you as one of like the top business women leaders in, in or top business leaders in Oklahoma, and I think that is fantastic. 
music, but why don't you tell everybody kind of where you were, what you did with your construction company, which was wow, pazow, and then let us know who you are today. Okay. Well, it started off, you know, you don't, I didn't grow up thinking I wanted to be in construction. So for a long time, I said, (laughs) I'm in business and my business just happens to be construction. I was in, I was in real estate. I was a drug rep. I did a lot of fun things before that, but my husband was a custom home builder. And when, and I was, so I went into real estate because he was a custom home builder. It just made sense. And then when the market crashed in 2008, we had to find something different to do. So he started a company, a, a small residential roofing company in Oklahoma. And the thing about companies, roofing companies anyway, particularly in Oklahoma, is you get a new roof every year and a half. Mother Nature will rain down a hailstorm and every year and a half, and the, roof, the roofers descend on people before, before the, the, the hail has even stopped falling, roofers are out knocking on doors. So that never set well with me. I mean, I understood the, the money part of it, but I had to be able to sleep at night. And I didn't want Mother Nature to be in control of my income either. So he started this company, and I watched for about six months and sat he and his partner down and said, look, this is what I do well, and you guys do the outside of the office well. I'm going to run the business. And so I sat in Oklahoma City in this tiny little dumpy office. We didn't have any money at the time. There's paneling on the wall, and there's a big map of Oklahoma City. And I'm standing there thinking about Mother Nature being in charge, and I didn't like it. And so I thought, okay, Sean Lee, what's the biggest account in Oklahoma City? And as I looked at this map, there it was right on the wall, Tinker Air Force Base. And I thought, I think I'm going to get the Air Force Base. <laughs> well, there so you go. They have, they have lots of roofs. They do have a lot of roofs. And that's how we built the company. Because the, and I think, you know, people talk about disruptors. And I was a disruptor in that industry because I wasn't from that industry. I didn't have the paradigm of this is the way we've always done things. Nobody told me I couldn't have the Tinker Air Force Base. So it didn't occur to me that that was not supposed to be done. So I just put some feelers out, networking, as you know, you, you do so much with networking. And so does anyone know anyone who works at Tinker? And I ended up meeting a woman who was in charge of Balfour Beatty Communities, which is a $18 billion global organization who handles residential construction for the Air Force for the next 50 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so in, in a very short period of time, we rebuilt uh, to Altus Air Force Base, got pummeled by a hailstorm. We rebuilt it. And then we obviously rebuilt a lot of Tinker. And then we started looking outside of our area and started working nationally because I, I'm a woman and I'm Hispanic. So I was able to qualify for a very special government certification called the 8A program. And from there, it just kind of evolved. And it was one of those things where you wake up when, you know, we, we made lots of money. We had a lot of fun. We worked crazy hours because when you're an entrepreneur, you, you're the janitor and the CEO. And for a while, you're everything in between. And <laughs> we grew our company to about, I think at any given time, we had 100 employees. And we, uh, we, we rebuilt in Maine, in Texas, in Colorado. And then I woke up one day and thought, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so... We had uh, we made some decisions and some choices that I was able to walk away from being the CEO of the organization. Awesome! So you walked away from being CEO of this booming company. Yes. And now what? Who is Sean Lee today? So Sean Lee today, what what happened was is um about oh gosh, I guess it's been about five or six years ago. My husband and I were having some marital problems. We've been married a long time, and I couldn't. I wanted to solve the mystery of why do you do what you do. And it, it just, I couldn't understand how we could love each other so much and we argued all the time. It made me crazy. <laughs> I, so think they, I think they call that marriage. <laughs> but it was affecting my work as well. And how can I be a great CEO if I'm not happy at home? I didn't want to go home, that kind of stuff. 
So what I discovered actually was what I call my proclivities work today, which is a communication connection system that we developed in our marriage that I later took to my office. And this is where it got really fun um, in our business. And I can say this is where our business really just changed direction um, in a really positive way. We, when I understood that proclivities were how people play. And what I mean by that is you and I were talking before we went on about imagination and play. And for me, my work is based in play. So the acronym of the proclivities work that I do today was born of my, of my marriage and into my company. And play is, is uh, players, lighters, artists, and wires. So what this work does is it helps people connect better and it helped me manage my teams better. So when we sent people to Maine, for example, in 10 degree below weather where they're digging their tools out of ice, my voluntary turnover is less than 1%. Wow. And I have people asking to come join our company. That, for the, wait said, a minute. Let's back up. For the construction industry, I mean, turnover is huge. Turnover is averaging 65 to 75% That's what of I the thought. construction industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was just like gargantuanly huge. How do you yeah. get that down to 1%? So when, when, when uh, my uh, Robert Bradford, which I, I think he might have been on your show before. He has. When, when Robert said to me, how do you manage your people? I said, I reward and reprimand them in the way that they best operate. And this was in the very beginning before my work had any shape or form. And he said, what do you mean? And so I just kind of explained a little bit about what I do and how I, and how I would reward my people and how I would reprimand them on their own proclivity. So it's and customized so, kind of based on who the person is? It's customized on what your proclivity is. Everyone has – so the way I explain it is you have a primary proclivity – and then you have three others, and you have one that is your very lowest, which is called your activity. That's your acting crazy time. That's where you go when you're stressed. So if you can reward someone in the way that they best operate, for example, my husband for our work is a player, not player like you know stereotypical hip hop. <laughs> he, he's not a like player. That, yeah. He's just he's a player. He likes to play. He likes to touch. He likes to do things. He likes to be very physical. It didn't bother him to climb up on top of roofs. And his language patterns is that of a player. There's some interesting language um, words that he will use that other people won't necessarily go to as their primary. And so in the acronym, we have players, lighters, artists, and wires. And wire is Y apostrophe E-R. And I'm a wire. Why do you do what you do? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why didn't we think that we were going to you know, get a project in Maine? I ask questions all the time. So once I understood that, then I started looking at my, at my other people. I had an assistant who was an artist, and I had to understand why she was kind of like Rain Man, just massively brilliant. You could give her tons of information, but you knew that something wasn't quite right. And it was with amazing clarity she could reach in and go, here, here's the problem. So once I started figuring it out and handling my office that way and then handling other contractors that way, and then nobody was quitting – I went and took it to other, I belonged to a CEO group, and I went and took it to other CEOs, and they started using it, and it was working in their company. And it gave me so much more joy than construction that I said to my husband, this is what I have to do. I have to do this. And so we sold the company, and here we are. And, and clearly, you put the marriage back together because you guys moved across the country, and every time I see you on Facebook, you and he seem to be playing. So you might be a wire, but you go play a lot. We do play a lot because he has to. It, 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 and I have to, cause I forget to play. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, we do, we play a lot. We have a great, and we have a great marriage today. And that's been five or six years ago. Um, I want to say it's almost six years now that, um, that we, that this all kind of fell apart for us, but it was in that putting us back together where I figured out my people and I figured out the people I surrounded myself with and my employees, and it has just evolved and grown. And when I, 
when I figured out that I really thought at the time that all leaders treated their, treated their employees this way. But once I figured out that it was something different and unique and something that other businesses and people could use, I, I didn't have a choice not to do it. So you are more than a speaker, a coach, and a consultant. I mean, you really are giving people tools that will help them find success in managing their teams. Yes, yes. And sales, I mean, when, when I worked with one of the uh, car dealerships, it was about helping them understand how to shorten their sales cycle because there are certain ear markers that each proclivity has and understanding what they are before they ever walk up. Have you ever met someone where you just clicked with them and you don't know why? Well, like when you sat down at our table a year and a half ago. Sure, that happened. <laughs> okay, so there you go. I, I just so told that story. No yeah. lapse in conversation. <laughs> we had so much fun. It was simple, right? Right. But sometimes you sit down with somebody and it's a challenge. And you're, yeah, you're you have struggling. to work it. Yes, I agree. Okay, so it's the kind of the same thing that if I spoke Spanish and you spoke German, we would be struggling to communicate. But what I teach people to do is to speak other people's languages so they can get what they want, you know, without manipulation or anything like that, but they can get people to to work towards the same goals. So what have you done in that transition from traditional business construction owner to Sean Lee, the, the personality, the <laughs> thought leader, you know, selling what you do? What has been the biggest things that you've done to be able to make that transition? Oh, gosh. Um, does everything count? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, walking away from your life is, is, is an interesting space because we moved to Florida at the same time as well. And I wrote a book, and uh, I'm getting ready to publish it. It'll come out in the uh, – we're thinking the end of the first quarter of next year, the beginning of the second quarter. It's called How Do You Play? The Five Elements of Connection. And I'm excited about it because it's a business parable. And so it's easy for people to read and easy to digest. And I've been speaking and working with uh, Fortune 500 companies are a big market for me because in order to be on the Fortune 500 list, they measure more than their balance sheet and their, and their profit and loss. They actually measure their retention. Many companies don't. And it's a, it's a multi, multi-million dollar problem. Spend a lot of time with that. So what else have you done? I mean, I know that you've invested a lot in yourself and in learning. Tell, tell some people some of the things that you've done to really be able to make this transition. So the transition, it was, like I said, we moved to Florida and we, I got a coach. Um, I joined the National Speakers Association, of which you and I are both a member. And I really had to learn at that point how to be a thought leader and not a thought repeater. Because you hear that in NSA, right? That you want to make sure that you're doing something different. So I built this work. I've, I've written manuals. I've worked inside of myself, and I've had to do a lot of work inside myself because I walked away from you know a seven or yeah seven figure income, and said this is what I want to do. So you have to make sure that you're really confident that you are doing the right things for yourself and for your family. And so I had to make those choices, and I had to say to my husband and my son, "This is what we're doing. You guys are welcome to go with me, but if you don't, it'll be okay. <laughs> but I'm still going." <laughs> and so, and so when you, and again, when you're working by yourself, it's tough as a solopreneur. You mentioned that earlier, but it's also tough. And I think that this is important to mention that when you're an entrepreneur, eventually, if your company grows the way you want it to be, you are the CEO. And they say it's lonely at the top, and it really is. It's lonely by yourself, and it's super lonely at the top because you can't share some of the challenges that you have. You know, I, I joined a CEO group, and I think that was one of the most powerful things which, I ever did. Which one did you join? It was actually put on by Enterize out of Boston. Okay. The SBA had a uh, program where, and if you ever get an opportunity to do it, it's a seven-month program. It is worth every penny that they charge you, and it is a high level of commitment, but you learn about how much you don't know about your business, and that was a shock to me. Well, and another thing that I've seen you do since you've made this transition to, to speaker and coach and consultant is you have really invested in learning. 
you have gone to seminars, you have joined mastermind groups, you have hired specific coaches who can fill in where you have blind spots. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yes. I have a great mastermind group. Um, I went outside the traditional speaker mastermind group and looked for people who were um, entrepreneurs, speakers, executives, authors. I wanted a good mix and, and internet marketers. I um I had I hired Robert Bradford who's a corporate strategist as my coach and yes if you don't invest in yourself there's absolutely it's the one thing in the world that you'll always get a return on if you invest in you I find it interesting that many people don't they they get in this place where they think they know everything but but you have to ask all the questions you have to I mean I you I reached out to you and you and I've talked before I want to know all the things I'm not good at so that I can learn them and it, to me Hiring Robert Bradford was a huge, and you know he's not traditionally a coach, but he was perfect for me. He he taught me how to play in my brain. He taught me how to create content. So and, I want to jump in here and go deeper with you because you said he's not traditionally a coach. Mm-hmm. I know the story. Why don't you tell everybody sort of how you made him be your coach? <laughs> so okay, because because it is funny. I think it's funny. I think this is a great story because I think I think of this when I meet people who are awesome, and I think I want to be like Sean Lee. I want to do what she did. <laughs> Thank you. So I was, it was my second uh, speakers meeting ever. And there's a moment when I think when you make a transition in your life, you reject everything you thought you knew. And so I was doing that. I was rejecting all my CEO knowledge. And I walked up to the speaker and I said, hi. And he said, hi. And he said, what's your name? And I told him and he, and Robert never says, what do you speak on? He says, what do you do? And so I said, I'm a new speaker. And I was so proud of myself, and you could watch the color drain from the top of his head all the way down to his feet. And he kind of looked over me like he didn't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> you vanished. You were like Esmeralda on Bewitched. You just got and invisible. I thought, I thought, you don't know who I am. <laughs> and so my ego stood up and thought, you don't know who I am. But I thought, it's okay. I don't like you. And so I walked back in the room, and I sat in the back of the room, which I very rarely do. And he was back there a few minutes later, and he made some snarky comment to me. And I thought, I really, I, I really don't like you. And so, God, I hope Robert listens to this. I like, well, I've actually told the story in public with him there. And so um, he, he, went up to, uh, he went up to the front of the room to speak. And he, you know, he did a little bit of his thing. And then he gets up, you know, he puts up a slide about his credibility. And what he said, what it was on that slide was, is that he had changed his client's net profit by $50 billion. And he turned around, he looked at the audience, and he said, I like to work with billionaires because they pay really well. (laughs) And I sat in the audience and thought, I love you. (laughs) I mean, he was, you know, as a CEO, he was speaking my language. And so I walked up to him at the break, and I said, "Uh, do you coach? He said, no, I don't coach. And I said, but you're going to coach me. And he said, I don't coach. And I said, I don't think you understand. You're going to coach me. And our, our NSA group had an auction. And everyone was bidding on him. And I finally made an announcement because I knew that I could hold my own financially in the room. I made the announcements. And I don't think you people understand. I'm winning this deal. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I won the auction. And uh, he coached me for a year. He didn't have a choice. I was going to stalk him till he said yes. That's funny. I love that story. I, you know, you, if, I, if you don't ask for what you want, you will never get it. Excellent. So were you always this entrepreneurial, like as a little girl, was young Sean Lee, like selling lemonade and, and you know, charging people to, you know, uh, you know, braid their hair or whatever you did as a little girl? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. No, I had no desire to be an entrepreneur. I had no desire to do anything that made me the boss until I became an employee and figured out that I was a really, really bad employee. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, mean, I was, you know, it sounds real cocky, but I was smarter than most of my bosses. And I couldn't understand, again, my wire proclivity. I couldn't understand why we had to do things the way they'd always been done if it wasn't the most efficient way to do it. Amen. And so once I figured, so it was a matter of, I had a choice. I could be broke or I could be an entrepreneur and do things my way. And so there's something very, I, I don't know if you found this, but I found it's very liberating because when you're in corporate America, and I was in corporate for a while, I was with Bayer Pharmaceuticals, you can't say certain things, you can't do certain things, and you have to play by somebody else's rules. And so the beautiful thing I think about being an entrepreneur is that you get to play by your own rules. You get to, you get to write the rules. And well, and that scares corporate America. So I have a speaker friend, and I won't say who it is because I don't know that he's made this public, but he's made the decision for his family that he's going to go back to corporate America because he needs to make more money and he wants something a little more more normally paced. And working for himself hasn't been you know hugely successful, although he's loved it, but he's done it for 10 years. And the problem is, is that corporate America has told him, we don't want to hire somebody who's been an entrepreneur, because you will think too much of your own ideas. He has had hiring managers and HR people say, you're fantastic and you have a lot of skills, but we're scared to hire you because anyone who's ever worked for themselves, you know, you, you won't fit in here because you won't just tow the party line and you'll try to come up with, with better ways to do things, and we don't want that. That's kind of frightening. It is kind of frightening, but it, what's more frightening to me and all of that that you've said is that he would go back to corporate America. <laughs> I mean, there's no judging in my space for anyone, except if he's tried something for 10 years and it hasn't worked, he should try something else. Well, I tell you, I've always said that you know a lot of people, and, and you've sort of said the same thing, and I know there's a lot of people out there on podcasts who say that they're you know now chronically unemployable. I actually think if I ever went back, I'd be the best employee ever, because I've learned, I think every employee should have to make payroll and try and figure out your insurance program and deal with the bank when something's wrong because all of a sudden I have more respect. I would hug my boss every day if I worked for somebody else and say, thank you for doing all that BS work that you know I never knew existed until I worked for myself. But uh, it was very interesting to find out that corporate America doesn't want anybody who's thought for themselves. You know, I, I think that's – as you said that, I thought, I thought back to when, I, to when we had the company and there were, there's always someone in, in an organization that is convinced that the boss is doing the wrong thing. doesn't matter, right? They're always convinced of it. But you're right. Once you've been the boss, you really understand what, what that role is like and oh. making payroll and, and, and wondering if you're, if you're going to be able to make payroll and how to do it and the taxes and all of those things. And worrying – like one of the biggest learning lessons for me as an entrepreneur was when I found out that my bookkeeper was stealing – Oh. I was first of all, she was my real estate assistant for for five years prior to that, and she'd been with me when I found out when I found her stealing. She'd been with me about seven years. Oh, that is I've, so many people have shared that story with me as I've interviewed entrepreneurs and as I've talked to people over the years. That I wish that story was so rare, but it's so common. I learned I learned that it was so common. So, so the two pieces of advice that I got that I thought were the most powerful during that period was that no one ever steals from you that you don't trust <laughs> because you give yeah. them access. Well, right? a- amen. That that makes sense. And, and the other thing that that my 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 CPA told me, and she was amazing during this period for me, is she said, "If there's chaos, there's theft." And so it helped me catch originally the first person, my bookkeeper, but then I had a sub that was trying to um, to overcharge me. And if there's chaos, there's theft. Wow, his, that is, his invoices didn't didn't always look the same. That is the advice. That is the advice for everybody listening because that fits into more than just you know just your bookkeeper. I mean, you're right. That's that's your vendors. That's your employees. That's everything. If there's chaos, there's going to be problems. So, amen. Well, because I think they create the chaos. That's what I learned is they create this organized chaos so that you don't catch it. Mm-hmm. 
And I couldn't understand that. I mean, in the beginning, I, I couldn't imagine, first of all, I would never steal from anyone. And then I couldn't imagine why when I would go through my books, why it didn't make sense. And she finally said, honey, when there's chaos, there's theft. Always remember that. Mm. And I never forgot that lesson. Well, we can be done. You just gave a great piece of advice, so we don't have to talk anymore. But no, that's not true. <laughs> so, so I've got a lot more questions for you. But really quick, what is it that you love about being an entrepreneur? I love, I love making my own rules. That's the part I love the best, that I get to do it my way. And it might not always be the right way, but I get to do it, and I get to decide, and I get to choose. And in the event it goes wrong, it's my fault. I'm in with that. That's great. Now, I'm going to thank our sponsor, and then we're going to dive into a few more questions. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Sean Lee. For an exclusive offer for the listeners of this podcast, go to podfly.net slash cool things. And I got to say, I say it every week, every time they sponsor a show, I let it be known that they're fantastic to work with. So if you want to do a podcast, I can't say enough nice things, podfly.net. So Sean Lee... What advice do you have for people who want to go out and start their own business? Maybe they want to take a huge pivot and become a speaker and a consultant like you did, or maybe they're working for a company and and they want to go start a business with employees. What do you tell them? Uh, So the first thing is do it. I mean, you're only here for parentheses of time. Our time here is so short. When would now be a good time? (laughs) <laughs> right? when, when would now be a good time? I've never heard that. Famous, I love famous it. Famous line, when would now be a good time to do what you've always wanted to do? Because you're not getting any younger. You're not getting any, any, any wealthier or any, or, any, or any poorer. You're not getting any anything anymore of. So how about now? So that's the first. And the second thing I would say is know your numbers. Most of the time, people work so much in their business that they forget to work on their business. My situation was different. I worked because I was not in construction. I was in business. I worked on the business and not enough time in the business, which is how someone was able to steal from me. That what I learned from that was about knowing my numbers, really understanding what cash flow means. What do, you know, there are wonderful accounting programs out there, but it doesn't matter how much money you make. It matters how much money you get to keep. And if you don't know your numbers, you will never know whether or not you're being a success or not. Your back office is the most important element of your business, whether you're a solopreneur, whether you're a consultant. When, when I think about the money that I have invested in myself, in my education, getting into this, Tom, I have to count that against my expenses for how much money I bring in speaking and consulting so that I understand where the investment is. Otherwise, I think, oh, yeah, I got paid X dollars. I made X amount of money. No, I didn't because I had all of these expenses of learning, which, again, is the best investment you'll make. But it's still an expense you have to account for. So I have a section of the show that I've added somewhat recently called Pearls of Wisdom. So I'm going to ask you three questions, just rapid fire, and I just want you to say whatever comes to mind. These weren't on the hey, questions. My, my rules, These okay. weren't on the questions that you saw in advance. Okay, so first of all, Sean Lee, what's the best business book you've ever read and why? The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Ooh, very nice. Tell us why. Uh, because if you read that book, you understand and you know how to behave always in business, and you can't go wrong with any of the advice in there. Sean Lee, where do you find inspiration? In other people. I look at other people and watch. That's how I learn. And finally, last pearl of wisdom, okay. how do you celebrate your victories? 
Oh, okay. So I, the, now the, <laughs> listen I to her that. perk up. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, I do. I'm the biggest because because I am a student of Tony Robbins, and so if you're ever familiar with his work, he talks about how important it is because you want to train your brain to want to do more of it. So when I have even the smallest victory, like when I hang up with you today. I'm going to turn on the music, I'm going to jump up and down, I'm going to hoop and holler, and I'm going to make the inside of me feel so good because I have to sit down and edit my book. So <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I feel good all the time. So Sean Lee, why is networking important for entrepreneurs? Your network is your net worth. If you don't, if you don't have a good network of people, you will never, ever be successful in, on, to the level that you want to be. And, and maybe it might, my, my want to be is a whole lot higher than some people, but I think if you're going to take the leap of faith of going out on your own, then you have big dreams and big goals. So, you're, so not, you're not shy. You walk up to strangers who are sitting drinking sodas with their kids and yeah. just pull up a chair and say, hi, I'm joining you. Yes. Uh, what do you say to other entrepreneurs who maybe aren't that outgoing? I'm not that outgoing. Ooh, That was the more. first time I ever did that. And I did it because someone, I don't remember if it was you or, no, no, it was actually you told me afterwards. I didn't have a choice not to do it because I didn't know anyone. And I also knew that I had, I had spent a lot of money to get there and to learn and all of this kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, I was responsible for, for my own success. So I'm inherently very shy. I'm somewhat of an introvert, and I'm really great on stage because nobody has to talk to me. I get to talk, but nobody talks back to me, and then I have to think of conversation. So I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, and I'm mostly very shy. But I wanted, I wanted what you had which was all of these people around you connecting with you. And so I thought, well, there's only one way to go to do it and just go get it. And so I, di- I didn't think you, you couldn't eat me or take away my birthday and you had children with you. So I didn't think that you would curse at me or make me leave. So I had, I had, some, you know, I had some, some strategy there. That's, that's great. Look for the person who brings his kids to the bar. The odds are he's okay. Well, and everybody was talking to you. Everyone kept stopping by and saying hello to you. And I thought, okay, that guy knows people, and I want to know people. Remember, I changed. I chased Randy Gage down in an airport. Yeah, that's another great. That's another great story. Speaking of networking, y'all may not know who Randy Gage is, but he's a very successful speaker and uh, has done a lot of great stuff around the the, the world of prosperity. Mm-hmm. And Sean Lee was walking through an airport and thought she recognized some guy, but couldn't no, figure out I didn't why. Know who he was. Yeah. I just, my instincts, you know, again, when I decided to move out of construction and into this world, you know, this personal development world, we hear all the time about, you know, following your passions. Well, my passion said, go chase down that guy. And I thought, I think this is inappropriate. I don't think you're supposed to chase down men in an airport. No, but my favorite part is you thought maybe he's a speaker and you actually took out your phone and Googled bald speakers to yes, see if you I could did. find his photo. That's the only thing I could think. I couldn't imagine why I would be chasing someone down because I'd been studying so much on speaking. And I thought, well, he's got to be a speaker. There's no other explanation that, that I would be chasing him down. But I didn't. I, I almost called Robert and said, okay, there's a good, lo- there's a good looking, really nicely dressed bald speaker in the airport. Who do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's about a third of the speakers, by the way, are bald. So if <laughs> yeah, they're men. When you Google bald speakers, yeah, you get everybody bald, comes up. <laughs> that's why I laughed so hard. You said I Googled bald speakers. I thought like one third of my male friends from National Speakers Association are bald. <laughs> well, that makes you the standout. You've got hair. I do. I do have hair. So, But I think that's great. You chased him down. You ended up having a great conversation, and now you have a friendship. So it's I think that's nice friendship, yes. I think that that's amazing, and I, I applaud you for, for doing that. So, Sean Lee, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business? Hmm. Coolest thing I'm doing with my business, besides all the other cool things I already do? 
Um, I'm working to speak overseas. I want to speak globally. I want to travel and speak globally. So I want to make sure that the work that I'm doing, which I believe will revolutionize communication, is shared not just in the United States, but all over the world. So I'm working to do that. Well, that's cool. Well, as soon as you get booked overseas, let me know. I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting too. Robert is uh, Robert's actually in Malaysia right now, and so he's been he's been uh, pitching me to some of the people there. So I anticipate I'll be there before long. I was going to say Robert's actually a great contact because I think he does most of his speaking internationally. So I yes, think that he that's, does. That's you know, Randy good. told me he said you know that that the one thing that uh, that you'll get overseas is audiences that really really care what you have to say which I think is cool. So, and by being connected with other speakers, like you said, Robert's telling other people about you. That's mm-hmm. how so much business happens. And yet so few people realize, people go, oh, I don't want to be friends with speakers because they're my competition. You know, I get referred all the time by other speakers and I refer other speakers. I tell every client, by the way, turn to me for a resource if you're looking for somebody. In fact, you and I will be speaking together in 2016 because a client said, I'm looking for someone who's an expert on employee retention. And I said, Sean Lee is an expert on I, I was, And what a great contact they have been. Thank you. They are such a nice organization to work with. Um, and so I'm excited about it. You and I are going to have a good time. But I think, you know, I'm always fascinated by people who have this competition mindset that, it, you know, there's not enough business. It, my world is this. I have one competitor in the world, and it's who I was yesterday. And I got to be better than her today. That's it. Well, and I, and I think that's great when you have a let's find a win-win situation. I, I read an article somebody wrote where they were talking about something that happened in business and how, you know, someone kind of said something nasty, so they screwed them over. And I thought, God, what a horrible way to live is I'm going to get them. They got me, so I'm going to get them. Mm-hmm. You know, why not? They said something nasty, so I, I helped them and I spread love. I don't know. It's just it's the way people look at the world. That's the book, The Go-Giver. I mean, if you, I don't know if you've read uh, Bob's book, sure. but that's, that's exactly his philosophy. Just you know, give, give, and, and watch what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sean Lee, we could talk about you all day long. However, I like talking about me. <laughs> well, let's keep going then. No, but I think some of the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask the guests on my show, who is someone out there who you think is doing something cool that's not part oh. of your business? Oh, I, I, hands down. I have a friend. Her name is Shelly Henry. Uh, she started a company called Neurolumen. And uh, neuro meaning brain and lumen meaning light. Her daughter was in a terrible car accident and it shattered all the vertebrae in her back when she was 16 years old. And they said, you'll never walk again. You'll never have children. And my girlfriend said, and I didn't know Shelly at the time, but she said, that's not going to work for me. She was, in, she was in school at the time to be a doctor. She changed her major and decided to get a degree. I believe her degree is in, I think she has a biochemistry degree now. So she invents a, a non-invasive device that uses electric stimulation, uh, LED lasers, and red light therapy. Her daughter walks. Her daughter's had two children. <laughs> she, um, she actually has, uh, Hobby Lobby gave her uh, a lot of money to bring the product to market. And uh, it's available on many formularies and in hospitals today. And what the cool thing about it is, is that it rewires the pathways of your body. So if you have nerve pain, let's say your back hurts, and you put it on your back, it actually bypasses that nerve network that is hurting and creates a new one so your back doesn't hurt anymore. She has people who have um, cerebral palsy who walk out of her office. It's amazing. So what is her company called? Neurolumen. And the website's neurolumen.com. That's awesome. That yeah, is very, she very awesome. is cool. She's invented 54 devices, one of which cures blindness that she's bringing to, and it's FDA approved, that she's bringing to market. Wow. Yeah, she's cool. All right, go look her up. What was her name again? Shelly Henry. Shelly Henry of Neurolumen. Cool. 
Yeah. Hey, I also think in addition to being great observers, I think that my favorite entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. They, they want to give back. So, Sean Lee, what do you do to serve the greater good? Oh, I am, I'm, I'm an animal lover. So I'm, I'm, my greater good is in, in terms of my altruistic endeavors is, I, is I'm an animal lover. I do bulldogs. And so I want to make sure because people, people who don't understand bulldogs are people who buy bulldogs and then they end up in shelters. So um, I, do a lot, I do rescue work. I work with um, I work with a lot of the uh, the local re- the local rescues around here because to me that that's important in terms of giving back to the greater good in terms of people. My work is that like it's not even if I didn't make any money at it. Um, what I what I help people do and the biggest love that I have is I do a lot of work for corporate, but my couple work that to me is that, remember my my work was born in, in a couple and so I, I help people save their marriages and to me that that's the most powerful thing that I get to do. So so awesome. Hey, if people were listening to this and they think this lady's a fireball, I got to know more information about Sean Lee. I got to find out about her speaking, about her coaching. I got to find out. I got to got to have more. Where mm. do they find you? Okay, well, they can find me. I also have a podcast, which you're going to be a guest on here very shortly, called uh, Life with Sean Lee, and it's spelled L-Y-F, Life with Sean Lee, and it uh, means love you first. And I also have a website, SeanLeeCochran.com. Because the guy who owns SeanLee.com isn't giving it up yet. So oh. <laughs> SeanLee.com, Seanlee Cochran with an E at the end of it.com. They can find me there. They can also go on and take the proclivities assessment, which will let them know how they play. My so. guess is the guy who owns SeanLee.com doesn't know that somewhere on a vision board and somewhere in a list of goals, there is some powerful energy headed his way that you're going to own it one day. That's going to be my name before the end of 2016, I promise you. <laughs> well, well, so let me tell you a funny story. So I own Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com, but I also owe to own Tom Singer, T-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R, because when I'm on things like Life with Sean Lee and people go, how do they find you? I say TomSinger.com, people might forget to put the H back right. into Tom because it's there in Thomas. So come on, people. Mm-hmm. I don't know when people shorten from Thomas to Tom why they also pulled out that H. I, I just got rid of the ass. So, <laughs> but I own TomSinger.com, and I got contacted by a guy named Tom Singer who lived in London, and he wanted to own TomSinger.com. And we could not agree on a price. And I said, look, a million dollars. And he said, that's ridiculous. And I said, well, why don't we look at it this way? You go out and make so much money that a million dollars is a rounding error. <laughs> and then you give it to me and I give you TomSinger.com and I just got a million dollars and you got what you wanted. And I don't know that he found the humor in that, but uh, I'm sure that Mr. Seanlee.com will, will sell to you one day. Well, he wouldn't even discuss price. Uh-huh. I mean, he wouldn't even open the door to a conversation. Uh-huh. So I, I think here's my theory. My theory is he's watching me and he's waiting. <laughs> he's probably listening to this podcast right now going, a million dollars, Tom, great idea. I just, I just cost you money. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Hey, anytime, anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. You have been a delightful guest. I am so glad that you chose my table to sit down in in the, the bar at the Hyatt a couple of years ago. Uh, well, because I too. What fun this was for me. Thank well, you. You've become a great friend and it's been a lot of fun to watch all that you're doing. And, and I think, you know, I think we're going to look back and say, remember when we were able to get Sean Lee on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do? Wow. <laughs> from your lips. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you everybody for listening. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another episode with somebody just as cool as Sean Lee. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.